It's 2019, and it apparently takes $15,000 to remove paint. Hello everyone, Happy New Year and welcome to No Offense, one of the Daily Bruins' official opinion podcasts. I'm Keshav Thadimedi, I'm the Daily Bruins' opinion editor, and we have a lively crew of columnists and editors with us today. Does everybody want to go around and introduce themselves? Hi, I'm Omar Saeed and I'm the assistant opinion editor. Hi, I'm Relly Barbarian and I'm an opinion intern. Hi, I'm Abhishek, and I'm an opinion columnist. Yes, we have a lot of energetic faces today because it is the end of week one of winter 2019. How lively is everyone feeling right now? Thumbs up, thumbs down. No one's had their thumbs up. Okay, we have one thumbs down. Yeah, this I'm is... at like at a six. Okay, six out of a hundred? Yeah, that's about right. Okay, that sounds about right too. Um, anyways, um, we have a fun list of topics to talk about today for the podcast. Um, as I realized, no offense, wasn't as regular last quarter because we were sort of experimenting with some podcast things in the opinion section, but we are back for good, and we are back with a lot of fun things to talk about. For starters, though, since everybody's sort of in the New Year mood, or what remains of it, because today is January 11th, or we're recording on January 11th, and that's 10 days after New Year's, but whatever. Let's go around and do a quick round of what are people's New Year's resolutions for this year? My resolution is to leave the office a little earlier every day. Uh, I'm going to actually write an article for the Daily Brewing. <laughs> what about you, Abhishek? Staying alive. That, that's pretty much it. Wow. You know, I was sort of hoping for some fun things, you know, see the outdoors more, watch a movie every Friday, spend more time with friends. I don't know. You, you guys have just like bare minimum, bare necessities resolutions. Maybe that's how I should live my life, too. These are all dumb resolutions, let me tell you that. Well, okay, to be the positive person in the room, which is an odd thing because I'm usually a very pessimistic person. Anyways, um, my resolution is to shut up more and listen to more people. But that's not happening today because we're going to be talking about a lot of fun topics. For starters, we're going to start with a bit of school spirit, or lack thereof, really. Vandalism is in the air because the people who are responsible for sort of spray painting, vandalizing, putting red and mustard all over our beloved Brune Bear, have been charged with felonies. And yeah, we just want to have a conversation about, you know, what happened? Like, we thought this was a joke, and now people are getting charged with crimes? Abhishek, do you want to give us the rundown? All right. So it was Thursday of November 15th, a normal day, like any other Bruin Bear was covered, and then it was not covered. And then people looked inside, and they saw that the bear was red and yellow. It was a travesty. The word went far and wide. The bear had been vandalized in USC colors. Wow, that's so dramatic. Um, what happened after that? Well, I mean, the, the cleaning staff came in and cleaned it up, presumably. But basically, UCPD said that the Bruin Bear had been spray-painted, Sometime in the night, and yeah, that's what happened. And as I understand, the charges the, or the damages cost somewhere near ten thousand dollars. 
Yep, it cost you slay somehow fifteen thousand dollars to clean paint off a bear. And sort of what what's the status of our two crooks in this great escapade? So basically, police arrested two men in connection with vandalizing the boon bear, and. They were both teenagers, not really affiliated with the universities at all, and they were charged with conspiracy, which basically means they had premeditated the crime, and felony vandalism because after painting the boon bear. And what, what would be the ramifications if they are convicted for conspiracy? Well, they could go to jail for up to three years for the charges they're currently being charged with. Wow. Okay, PSA kids, um, don't paint the boon bear, ever. I just like how one of the person's name is Louis Raider Torres. His middle name is literally Raider. Apt, I'd say. Yeah. Okay, so this sort of brings us to a larger conversation about, like, you know, school spirit and things going wrong and school property and going to jail for three years for painting an aging bronze statue? It wasn't even school spirit. The people weren't even affiliated with the universities. Why would you commit a felony over a university you don't even go to? Maybe they were vying for a USC position. I don't know if that's how it works. And it clearly is not how it works. <laughs> um, but I guess this goes to a sort of a larger conversation of like, is it right that these people are being charged with felonies? Um Usually, as I understand it, vandalism doesn't result in much more than misdemeanors unless it's, like, very, very serious. So, basically, what felony can actually be prosecuted as either either as a misdemeanor or as a felony, and that depends upon how severe the damage is. It's known as a wobbler law in California Penal Code. Mm-hmm. So, I guess in this case, the damages were just so high that, well, these people are now going to be charged with felonies. Yep, because the damage is over $400. Wow, okay. Um, so I guess we'll kick it to the group. Do you guys think that these people should go to jail for three years for their painting the Brune Bear? I think they went after a valuable target and it costs us or UCLA a lot of money to fix it and someone should pay restitution for that. And I'm assuming they don't have an extra $15,000 lying around, so what's she going to do? I, d- I think they should pay it back. I think jail time's a little bit severe for something they probably did not know was a felony. I actually don't know. I'd I'm leaning towards they should go to jail over it. But then again, they didn't cause a lot of damage. So I guess like one thing I want to talk about is like, you know, in the past, UCLA and USC's rivalry was a lot more energetic than it was now, energetic and passionate. Um, You know, as I understand it, members of the UCLA band tried burning the letter UCLA into the Coliseum field. There are stories of us dropping dung on USC. I don't know half, I don't know which of these are myth or not, but um, we did a lot of things and Painting the Brunberg and painting our friend John Wooden seemed to be sort of USC's tactic. They tape up Tommy the Trojan and stuff. Riley was sort of talking about this before we started recording um, about sort of UCLA just admonishing people for pranks in the past. Do you want to sort of talk about what happened with UCLA trying to burn the letters UCLA onto USC's field? So I'm not the best storyteller, so I'm going to let my good friend Alan F. Charles, the Vice Chancellor of Public Affairs and Development in 1989, he wrote a letter to the director of the UCLA marching band, quote-unquote, admonishing the actions. He said, enclosed is a Los Angeles police report indicating that as many as 250 Bruin band members in blue and gold uniforms were observed at last Sunday's Raiders halftime show while performing the UCLA spellout, apparently attempting to burn the letters UCLA into Coliseum turf with drain cleaner hidden in plastic baggies. <laughs> it is my duty to admonish you that this act was... Th- 
product of evil minds and was very naughty. Grass is a part of the ecosystem. <laughs> it absorbs and softens sunlight, assimilating carbon dioxide and exuding oxygen. It is decorative to the landscape and functional as a comfortable place to sit, have picnics, and even play football. In short, grass is our friend. Moreover, the Raiders are our friends. If it weren't for the Raiders, we would still be playing football in the Coliseum. Please have the culprits say 100 Hail Marys or choose another form of contrition in accordance with their own beliefs. And in 31 years, we've gone from 100 Hail Marys to three-year felony charges. And the Raiders are no longer our friends. So I guess, what, what, do you, what, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Do you think that sort of sports rivalry has been cut off by too much litigation? I don't think it's the litigation that did it so much as the security cameras. What do you mean by that? Well, in the past, you could get away with things because no one could prove you did it. But now everything is on tape, so there's really no point. Everyone, you know, they would have arrested these people, too, if they could have. They just couldn't prove anything. I mean, 250 marching band people. You could arrest all the marching band people then. Yeah, but they could all deny that it happened. All they have is hearsay, like witness accounts. It's sort of like how back in the day you could rob a bank, and as long as you were gone before the police got there, you basically got away with it, even if they knew who you were. Okay, so we have marching band and bank robber analogies. What do you think, Riley? Uh, I think there has been like a significant crackdown on the sports rivalries between schools. I mean, the example I have most personal is probably the rivalry between Stanford and Cal. Like, they used to have people jumping the rally squad and tear gassing them to steal the axe. And the original story was them running across San Francisco and jumping on a ferry with an axe stuffed up a girlfriend's skirt and now they're not allowed to do any of that so there's something to do with institutions here what do you think abhishek so a felony is a felony and you know that vice chancellor said grass is a friend well nobody really cares what you do to grass as opposed to what you do to the moon so really grass isn't really that much of a friend <laughs> um the sir million dollar question is is college rivalry gone are we all supposed to Sit quietly in the stands and only cheer when our teams get the touchdown or make the points. I feel like you can do that without felonies. I feel like people care a lot less than they used to. I think the rivalry is dead, but it's not because of this. Because there are lots of pranks that aren't felonies. And, you know, at one point, USC switched all our signboards so that we would hold up UCLA sucks during the game. And that was a pretty good prank. And people got really mad. But no one went to jail over it because they didn't do anything illegal. We could try more of those kinds of pranks and maybe bring the fun back to this rivalry. One of my biggest questions is why it costs $15,000 to remove paint from the Bruin Bear. Like, I'm fine with rivalry dying, but also the Bruin Bear was like, it, it, it was like dull. It had random streaks of gold-ish. Like, people rubbed the back. Like, it, it felt like, I don't know, aging bronze architecture. And then now it's like... $15,000 to clean paint off that? Like, what was UCLA trying to preserve? Hot take. I think that once it was vandalized, they should have just sold it for scrap metal. And then use that for what? Build a statue of Gene Locke. That was my idea, too. Anyway, this was a good warm-up topic for the arguments to come this year. We will get back to you all after a short break. No Offense But is a product of the Daily Bureau's opinion section. Got any tips about what we should talk about next time on the podcast? Send us an email at opinion at dailybruin.com or just come and visit us at Kirkhoff 118. Imagine this. 
thousands of students lined up on Roebling Avenue. And they're all dancing, they're all singing, they're probably all drunk too. A Christmas tree comes up, it just gets lit, like literally lit, just spiral of fire, broken glass everywhere. And before you know, LAPD's on the scene, but people are singing, they're dancing, there's a sofa on the road. And yeah, this was a Thursday night at UCLA, friends. If you haven't heard yet, uh, Robing's been in, in the news recently for a block party that took place on January 10th. We're recording this podcast on January 11th, so it was just yesterday, and it's etched into our memory. Um, we were just watching uh, an ABC video on this. NBC covered it, I think. Sorry, ABC covered this, and CBS covered this. And it's just, everyone's just covering the story of rowdy college students. And yeah, you know, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Like, where were you when this party was happening? Were you in this party? It's all right. This is a safe space. Um, and what are your thoughts of, about rowdy parties now? taking over the mantle of college rivalry. So I was sitting in my apartment when this party started, but my roommate went. And about 10 to 15 minutes after he left, I was already sitting in bed and I heard police sirens and I started laughing to myself, knowing that he was on his way back already. Omar, did you call the police on the Roebling block party? I didn't, but I could hear them from my apartment. And if someone else hadn't within another hour or two, I probably would have. Keep that in mind, listeners, in case any of you live on Roebling and are planning another block party. Abhishek, where were you? You know, I had a 9 a.m. discussion this morning, so basically I was trying to sleep early last night, and then I could hear helicopter after helicopter, and I was like, these damn kids need to get off my lawn or my village and let me sleep in peace like an old man. Riley, how about you? Where were you when the chaos ensued? I was in my dorm room, and I didn't know what happened until somebody asked me if I was there. When did you find out about the event? Uh, it's like 9 a.m. today. Okay, that's a good time to find out. I was actually walking along Roebling when the party was happening. I remember glancing to the right, looking back forward and going, yep, I didn't see anything, and just walking into the village, trying to dodge broken glass everywhere. But I guess the question I have is, did you guys find that it was all right that police came on very quickly and shut the whole thing down? I don't know why the police just are always so instinctually active about parties and shutting them down. But if it's their job, you know, I don't mind that much. What about you, Riley? I personally have no problem with parties. As long as they're not, like, trashing windows and stuff, they're probably fine. Abhishek? Well, I mean, they need to clear up the road. I mean, that's their job. Of course they're going to do that. One, one of the characteristic things about block parties is it basically blocks off the street, as the word goes. But as far as I understand, not a lot of cars are going on Roebling, right? At at least at 10 p.m. It's like a weird road that goes nowhere and comes from nowhere. So, yeah, not a lot of cars are really using that road. Unless they want to get to one of the buildings there. In which case, tough luck. And I guess it sort of raises the question of, like, sort of police presence in Westwood. It feels like police are very active Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays, shutting down events or sort of tempering them that sort of get out of control. Is this normal? Is this all right in your guys' views? I think it's fine. I think it's part of their job given that we are a college campus, but I don't think it warranted police showing up in riot gear. Please explain more. I think anytime you show up in riot gear, you're you're immediately treating the people on the other side as criminals, as people who are attacking as enemies, and college students really shouldn't be made to felt that way in their homes, really. What about you, Riley? Get your cops out of my neighborhood. <laughs> um, but I mean, some of these are 
UCPD officers, right? So how would you respond to that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think they're just doing their job. I, but I do think helicopter is definitely not required for a block party. Abhishek? I mean, ostensibly what happened was UCPD called for backup from LAPD and LAPD came in, presumably in riot gear, and that's, they just heard they needed backup and came in. They didn't know, probably didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. And one of the things um, that I guess might be on students' minds, or at least student leaders' minds, is that for the longest time, entertainment in Westwood has been sort of curtailed because homeowners and stakeholders who live here who aren't students have sort of held the opinion that students are party animals and that Westwood is flooding with booze and that, you know, if we let students get more drunk, if we have more open bars, dancing areas, then the vote is going to basically go to the dogs. Is is this sort of playing into that narrative? I feel like this shows that there needs to be more places for students to party so they aren't forced to use the street. That's not why they had a block party. They had a block party because they wanted something huge and to, you know disrupt stuff that's why it presumably happened but it seems like at least from the reports that there was just a sort of conglomeration of multiple parties that then converged onto a block party in a sort of coordinated fashion yet somewhat spontaneous um but i guess this does raise the question should there be more entertainment places in westwood would that sort of solve this problem is this even a problem i don't think it's that big of a problem because they can just make their own entertainment like that (laughs) My favorite part of this is how local journalism, local journalists cover events like this. And by that, I mean CBS Los Angeles and ABC7. For example, CBS Los Angeles, their headline says, Police in riot gear show up to clear block party at UCLA's Fraternity Row. And this wasn't even at Fraternity Row. We should be sending a correction to them. And then ABC7 did a whole two and a half minute report on it, which is like, are you pressed for content? that you would cover this particular event that happened for like 30 minutes last night. And I like how one of the reporters, he just posted on Twitter um, photos of trash and pumpkins and an empty bottle on Roebling. And it's like, this is what Roebling looks like a lot of the time. It is always littered with trash. Welcome to Westwood Village. Or as I like to call it, Wastewood Village. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, but that does bring up a good point that, like, it seems like a lot of the local coverage of UCLA and colleges, at least in L.A., that is sort of outside of Daily Burn is sort of like, oh, well, college students are back at it again. Or if there's, like, sort of a crisis, uh, like, for example, the June 2016 shooting. And I wonder if do you guys think this sort of paints a narrative about college students that isn't accurate or whatnot. I think they're always going to sensationalize things like this because that's what gets coverage and what gets views on the internet. I mean, it's not like you're going to expect the news organizations to cover. UCLA students on this night were very orderly and did not hold a block party on any of these roads. They were silently studying and crying in their rooms. So I guess last question for y'all. What are your guys' over-under on when the next block party is going to be? Do we have any wagers? I think 10 weeks exactly. So first week of spring quarter? Yeah. Exactly. Riley? I, I think first week of spring quarter as well. I take the over on that because I think they're going to go creative with the second week instead of going with the normal first week because that's when police are expected. I'm going to put a bet and say it's going to be 10th week of winter quarter because we're all going to be desperately in need of some sort of entertainment. Bold move. Okay, friends, that's it for this week's podcast. We'll be back next week with a totally different set of topics and... Happy New Year!
someone stole a bronze hippo that's weighs three quarters of a ton. Wait, we should have done our second topic about that. How do you steal it? I don't know. But that weighs almost as much as the brune bear. I think they deserve to keep it. We should have a bronze hippo inside the brune bear. Wait, there was a vlog party on Roebling in 1997. What? Yeah. (laughs) 